Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Six, our celebratory summer show here on AI Pro in which I speak to as many folks as I can from all around the globe about their experience of that glorious night in Madrid on which the Reds became champions of Europe for a sixth time. I'm Trev Denny and I am podcasting to you from a field in beautiful rural and sunny Ireland. And on this show, I will be joined by three more Reds, all with their own tales to tell. And first up on this show is Jad Braish who's chairperson of the official Liverpool Supporters Club in Lebanon. Jad, lovely to have you join us. How are you, man? Good evening, Trev. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. on the podcast. Amazing. Great, man. Thank you. And it's great to have you on board. I mean, it, it, talk, talking to people uh, as far afield as possible is exactly what we're all about. So I'm going to start off with the same question I ask everybody. Uh, who is Jad Braish and how did he become a Red? All right. Uh, uh could be an easy question. Uh, I'm a 27-year-old uh, Lebanese. I used to live in the UAE for most of my life in Dubai. Uh, moved to Lebanon in 2010 and uh, joined the fan base directly in 2012. But like, what got me to support the Reds is uh, obviously has to be my father. He's a diehard fan from the 60s. Uh, he's been diehard fan since the 70s as well. Uh, I've been supporting the club since, uh, I'd say, the 2002-2003 season. It was a semi-final against Sheffield United. It was a second leg. And uh, Michael Owen, I remember, scored an extra-time winner, got us through to the final. We eventually won the final against United. And it was like back then that I really like got into the, the club. I remember my father going crazy over the treble in 2001. But uh, I think I was a bit young for like to be really involved in it. So yeah, I'd say 2002 was when it all started for me. I love that that it's you've actually it's it's from your dad. We've had so many stories where it's actually uh, the the fa- the father or mother or whoever's the influencer is actually from a different club. That's my own story. It's my dad's a mank, which is uh, it's quite it's quite a contrast as you can imagine. So it's lovely that your dad got got you into it in that kind of traditional way. And uh, what a time actually to get to get involved. It's just post that that little uh, flurry of trophies that we had under Julia, you came in for i think that was the last one of his uh that yeah. 2003 league cup and uh, again against the manx that's always a nice way to win any trophy and just feeling about it I, like i remember so well like like i just look at my dad and his reaction and all that and i don't know like there's something about liverpool football club that automatically gets you attached to everything about it so yeah, it was then. And is your dad Lebanese as well? Yeah, he's Lebanese. So, so his his uh, his origin story is also going to be interesting. I mean, how how does a man who's going back to the previous generation? You know, I mean, I go back to the very end of the 70s when when I was like five and I started uh, being aware of the club. So your dad's going to be maybe a little bit before that. How does he become aware when there was so little media? What, what's his, how did he hook into Liverpool Football Club? It's a crazy story because like I, I still don't know how 
he fully became a red because back then it was only like on radio or or through the papers you know before like some small tv started to appear and you know like if you if you weren't from a good economical like family tvs weren't uh, present until probably the late 80s but like yeah my dad my dad was a fan because of the radio and then he used to tell me about players like clemens and tommy smith and Emlyn hughes and all these legends you know and for me i was like too young to understand yeah so yeah he's lived through the good days which is kudos to him yeah. dude i love that i this is i absolutely love it that's what this show is all about is these stories and look i'm very interested to see what 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 being being a liverpool supporter is like uh for you at the moment i mean you're chairperson of the official uh liverpool supporters club there in lebanon right so this is a kind of a multi-part question. You can go at it however you like. I'm basically wondering what I've wondered with all the other guys and gals who are in your position, which is, what does that look like for you on a, on a week-to-week basis? What kind of membership do you have? Do you have one venue that you all gather in? And um, what does match day look like normally? Uh, time zones, maybe explain for people who wouldn't be cl- clued in on what the difference would be there in terms of what, what, what the kickoff times would be for you guys. Just all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, uh, when I moved to Lebanon, it was uh, mainly for education, to continue my education here. And uh, it was only me watching Liverpool games in, in the dormitory. I met a few fans, you know, there was like maximum of five people. But uh, a friend of mine actually told me about the fan base here that, w- that had already existed since 2009. But like for 2009 to 2010, they only had about 40 30 members around 10 of them were active so like when i joined then we, we had a small gathering for the last game of the season it was against uh, tottenham uh we lost 2-0 that day howard webb gave a penalty <laughs> i remember against it as usual <laughs> so so yeah that was like the start of uh like my experience with the the fan base here uh, there were admins that had been to the uk they lived there they've been to anfield some of them have have been were in Istanbul actually, so they had the spirit of like I'd say the scousers, like the really hardcore Liverpool fans, the supporters. So I'd say they taught us. They started the fan base in a way, and then suddenly with the, with King Kenny coming in, I don't know the fan base kind of grew. You know, it was like we went from fifty to two hundred, three hundred members, and it was a big deal. It was like wow, you're another Liverpool fan here, like. We'd be we'd be ecstatic meeting another Liverpool fan in the country because <laughs> the funny thing is like everyone would have thought that he's like the only one in Lebanon or something like that because like sure. Lebanon's a small country, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so the fan and, base started to grow like slowly year by year. And in terms of somewhere where you guys all gather, I mean, you said it's a small country. Is I guess it's not that small either. In that, like, you've still got it's it's it must be difficult to find one central spot that's easy for everybody to get to, or that it, it doesn't represent a big a big uh, commitment for some people. Do you have like one venue, or do you do you have multiple venues where you guys uh, meet? We had one venue from 2012 or from 2011 until uh, like the summer of last season. This venue still exists and we still go there. It's a pub actually, but uh, we've added another venue uh, since last season and it's more of a cafe and it's just to accommodate that some people uh, aren't uh, very comfortable with alcohol. So we gave them another option. So, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
both both venues uh, actually fill up يعني almost uh, almost match days and uh, they've been extremely successful for this season and what a season it was i mean it was special and as for the timings as for the timings uh, to reply on that uh, there's a two hour difference between here and the uk so our champions league games are like at 10 p.m. for example late late kickoffs are at 10 p.m. usually saturdays and sundays are uh, i'd say 3:30 2 p.m. 7 p.m. so it's all right like we don't we don't suffer as much as people in the us for example or in the far east And are you guys all based, or is is are those venues you spoke about? Are they based in the in the capital in Beirut, or or are is it is it some other city? No, no, they're based in the capital, which is uh, you'd say unfortunate for the people that live outside the capital, like an hour or two hours away. But like from time to time, at least for the really big games, we try to hold a, a small gathering for. In other cities, they they get to 30 to 40 people sometimes, 20 people, but at least they can be all together. But that's not that's not every week. I mean, it sounds to me, man, from from what you're saying, as if you're very much sort of involved uh, as chairperson there in the in the logistics of these type of things. Um, and you know, I love the idea that you know, on occasion, that you would make the effort to go to some other place or uh, relocate uh, so that you know people in in more remote places could can get access. I mean, I, you 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 refer to to Lebanon as a small country. I think it's it, it's probably it's got to be nearly six million or something which is a hell of a lot more than my country and i know that if i was to organize something close to me i'd have people moaning at me from the far end of the country you know so there's a lot involved there man so talk to me a little bit about what the champions league final preparation what kind of occasion did you organize um did you have to go to a bigger venue did you have some sort of a party before or after what did that look like uh all right So the pub that we we've been watching our games at since 2012, it doesn't accommodate more than a hundred people. It's pretty small, but that makes the atmosphere in it very special. But yeah. for the big games, we usually we usually need to move out. So for the let me tell you the Europa League final, we moved to a venue that was perfect. Like it was beautiful. We had our biggest ever gathering. We were around 230 people back then, but it was unfortunate, you know, like. Like it didn't work out. But before the Europa League final, yeah, yeah, I should start with the League Cup final against City. It was that venue, so the gathering had like 200 people. Okay. It was great. We lost. So for the Europa League final, we picked the same venue as well. As I said, 225 people. It was even better. The atmosphere was crazy, but we lost again. So we had people telling us like, "This is not that venue again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Superstitions, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you obviously have to accommodate the venue that you know like has alcohol and it also has you know like everything you know so so yeah like finding a big venue that accommodates all for for the whole season is is close to impossible so the champions league uh, fine we also yeah we champions league final last year uh, uh we went to a bigger venue obviously and uh, yeah we had around 700 people in attendance which was like crazier than crazy for us because we didn't expect that much. Wow. We had getting 400 to 500 because it was a big game and people were like, the, the, the fan base had grown enough by then. So, oh yeah, sad, sadly, the only thing that went wrong that day was the result. So, and 
the circumstances that happened in Kiev, Salah's injury and some unfortunate uh, stakes. And so I, I'm just going to cut in here for, for, for a minute, Chad, because I hope people who are listening are, are listening to what you're actually saying here, which is you guys are doing these increasingly large venues. You're getting increasingly large crowds, crowds that are surprised you even um you've got like over 700 for the champions league final in kiev this is a this yeah. is quite quite incredible it, you know as far afield as lebanon and you guys are getting kicked in the face each and every time with the results one two three boom 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 it must be i mean this is this is what i've spoken to an awful lot of 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 the guests on the show about was this concept of are we just very unlucky? Is Klopp just an unlucky manager at Liverpool? Because that must have been building up in people. I know it's sort of quite psychologically damaging. People are, you know, you you, you must have been going into this last one like I was. I, I, man, I didn't watch any build up. I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to to get excited about it. It was just let's just get the result, please, please, please. You know. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Liverpool supporters is that we're like extremely optimistic. And yeah, true. You know, we always have we always have belief. We always believe in the comeback and in, in, in these you know crazy nights like Istanbul, for example. But yeah, like kicked in the face every time, you know, put down every time, wondering what would have been if, if we'd actually gone on to win it. You know, like the celebrations that would have taken place after the happiness that the fans like you'd see people like so happy on that day, singing their hearts out. But then, like at full time. There's heartbreak, some are crying, you know, some are even helping us out, you know, with the event afterwards, like to fix the place, clean the place, because they they can see how down everyone is, you know, so they're trying to do something to, you know, like we, the, the good thing about these events is that if, if we don't win, which has happened so many times before, we're there for each other. Yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I, I, I just thought it was important to frame it because it, it, that could get lost in the story, in the story arc that you're telling us, because it's a huge amount. It takes a huge amount of resolve to keep coming back for more and more and more. And your numbers are growing. So now we come to this year and the yeah. event that you hold. So talk to us about that. So this year, as you know, the league season was so good. But like it, like one point, you know, it was only one point. So you only you only fear the worst. Yeah. this case here we go again right yeah like, here we go again are we are we that unlucky i mean what's what's wrong is it is it clop is, is there a clop curse you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like even even though we were favorites by a mile and we know we're better than Tottenham by in every aspect <laughs> yeah. yeah like even we know it you know on any day we beat them but there's always that 90 minutes of a final that you'd fear but uh yeah, I mean, uh, we were we were the happy ones in the end, so it was crazy. For this final, uh, you'd be astonished as much as I was, but uh, we had close to a thousand three hundred twenty people. My God! Yeah, yeah, it was it was mad. And the thing about us, the thing about us is that we we did not want to shut the doors or like like you know have a certain amount of tickets because we don't want to have Liverpool fans not able to join us in this, let's say, ceremony, no matter no matter the result. Sure. So the place was big enough. So in terms of safety, it wasn't a big deal, no matter how many people entered. So yeah, they just they just kept pouring in. It was it was insane. 
and the celebration made for it. I'd say. Yeah, man, that's just that's just such a yes. such a, a powerful image for for people. I think uh, who are you know, maybe a little bit closer to the club in terms of geography to get their heads around that that many of you would be gathering and to have that occasion on the back of all the disappointments as well. It's it's genuinely stunning. And and Jala can only imagine that the uh, the 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 party went on for quite a while afterwards. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it was finally the first trophy, uh, first of all, under the clock, which was massive we've been waiting for it for a long time and and they deserve it after such a season but uh, second of all after in seven years we, we haven't won a trophy so it was it was vital for the club to keep going so the party the party went on we were we were we were celebrating since the penalty i mean we actually asked people to calm down until salah took the penalty so was, <laughs> yeah 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 it was since then and yeah it continued all the way I mean, we're still celebrating. If you if you check our Facebook group, like one day you'd, see, you'd still see uh, people posting stuff about that night. Well, I, I gotta I gotta tell you, Jad, uh, I'm very much. It's it's just slowly dawning on me over the course of the summer. It's it's been a slow realization that yes, actually that did happen because I was so built up to not let myself be disappointed if it went the wrong way and. We have a show that we do in the immediate aftermath called Raw, and I've got to get in the microphone and analyze the game with the with the panel. And uh, you've got to be sort of professional, and you've got to be slightly dispassionate if you can. So I was thinking, okay, right, just be ready for it in case it goes wrong. So yeah, there was, in some way, I wasn't allowing myself uh, to enjoy, and that that show took two hours, and then there was another hour of admin afterwards. So it was only like about half twelve or one o'clock that night. I, it real, I realized I could celebrate and start shouting and roaring. So yeah, it's it's been a slow process. I I identify completely with your buddies who are posting uh, posting videos. Have you seen that one, the six minute one that UEFA put out? Of uh, oh, sorry, twelve minute one that UEFA put out, just um, really beautifully shot footage of the of the final. It's come out in the last couple of days. Have you, have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh man! Yeah, I haven't missed a single video. I could assure you that every video <laughs> of our UEFA or even the new UEFA Champions League intro, everything is posted. Yeah, yeah. We're enjoying. It. We're enjoying it. We deserve it as fans. The club deserves it. The players deserve it. So yeah. You know what, man? You've said a mouthful there. That does. That's dead right. I think "deserve" is the word that comes to mind, uh, and. You know, yes, our players and manager and all that. Yeah, absolutely. They're the guys who deserve it most. But for the the, the remote outposts and for those of us who, who suffered for years, I think it's been very deserved as well. And it brings me neatly around to the, 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 the two questions that I ask towards the end of all the conversations, because uh, we're talking about our team here. And uh, this team that, that you saw, that you witnessed over the last two seasons evolve under Klopp that you had two massive events organized for uh, over the course of two successive cup finals. Now that that trophy has been won and we can put to bed all that kind of fear about, you know, luck and all that. What do you think is possible, Jad, for this team next season? Um, I think uh, what we were talking about before the final was that we just want Klopp to get his first trophy because there is a huge feeling and huge belief inside everyone that you know just get that first first one and then then let things uh, roll you know let let the iceberg let the what do you call it the snowball yes the snowball. 
we expect it to be a snowball effect because there is this kind of belief that once these players know that they're capable of winning something, that they're winners. Because two Champions League finals in a row is not easy. But like finally becoming a champion, they, they have the necessary experience to go on, to do marvelous things. And I think us as fans, we, we believe that, you know? And do you think uh, if you were to lean towards one trophy or the other, um, and I think I know probably what your dad would say, uh, would, would, it be, would it be the league? Would it be the Champions League? Which one would you really like to see uh, the club win next season? No, no, it has to be. It has to be the league, of course. I mean, some fans ask us, like non-Liverpool fans, they they continue to ask us. I mean, uh, the the Champions League is more important than than the league, and we do tell them. We do tell them it is like in European wise when you talk about European football, it is. But to us, there there's that special, you know, gap that that we want to fulfill, we want to achieve, and. and we want to taste. I haven't tasted it. I'm I'm a recent fan. I I tell you like. 80-85% of our fan base are more of the recent generation, so of course, none yeah. of them have actually experienced uh, that, the feeling that my father has enjoyed countless times, so yeah we want the league, uh, of course I, I believe Klopp and the players are hungry for it, I believe they, don't, they, they know what consistency means, we saw that last season which is vital, we, we missed that in the past, in the past two attempts, at least in the league, 2013-14 and 2008-2009. So yeah, consistency is key, and uh, I, I believe the boys and club uh, know what it takes. I think from listening to you talk about you know your consumption of all the Liverpool-related media, that you must be pretty uh, up to date on all the the stories, or rather lack of stories about transfers at the moment, and all the uh, fan tension that you can expect. Uh, you know, we're a very united fan base most of the time, but the one thing that rips people apart more than anything is this part of the year where nonsense is talked about transfers but let's put all the acrimony to one side and let me ask you one simple question if you could recruit one sort of dream signing for next campaign who would it be dream signing uh it's a tough one it's a tough one dream signing like i mean everyone was interested in mbappe <laughs> with the rumors coming out Matthew. sure yeah uh, let me tell you the kind of person that I am. Uh, when it comes to transfer rumors, I, I actually do not pay attention to any because I know that uh, 95% or 99% maybe are nonsense. And I don't really invest my energy in that because I've been disappointed so many times in the past. Uh, the one I, I remember the most was, uh, I don't know if you remember it clearly, uh, Konoplinka when oh yeah uh, yes yes of course uh, the Konoplyanka disaster yeah 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 the disaster seriously I mean we, we were following Twitter all night and it was yeah. like the guy has a pen in his hand and he's going to sign now and we're waiting for the pictures and then God knows what went wrong that day. Or that what, about, what about Fekir last year, where he's actually in the kit and the publicity publicity shots are done and they're leaked? Oh man, that was an equal disaster. I thought they were photoshopped, you know, because that's so easy nowadays. But yeah, but it turns out they're real, and and you're like shocked, like what's wrong? Or Loitrami, like a few years ago, it was like almost done, and then suddenly he has a, he failed the medical or something, like you know. So so yeah, it's it's too much for me. I. 
if I if I have to invest my time and all of those, I feel like none of them is going to happen. So I just wait for it. Like I was ecstatic when Allison signed last year because I had no hope in him coming or no hope in us actually going for such a high profile goalkeeper signing. But it did happen at the end of the day, and I mean, what a signing it was. Yeah, you know what? I think your your attitude is definitely the healthiest, and uh, it's it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for an awful lot of people to 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 uh, to copy that. But I think if they did, there'd be a lot more mental health floating around this summer. So hopefully, they're listening to your advice, Chad. But we do need signings. I mean, I'm not okay with everything like the, you know low profile signings or like signing youth. I think we need to you know we need to go for it. I mean, City go for it. Uh, like teams back in the day when they were going for the league, they used to they used to spend, they used to invest. So our team is amazing. It's young contracts of our players are you know, long term contracts at the moment. We have all our starting team. Uh, you know, I'd say most of the starting team is 2022 or 23. So that's perfect. But we need that you know that edge. I mean, why can't we go for for a, for a cup and the league we can you know but it's about that it's about everything at the end of the day i mean we all have uh, faith and belief in club we're believers we're believers he changed us uh, once he came in he said he said we want to we need to change from doubters to believers and at that moment we we went okay you're the man i mean and yeah since the, since then that's the case yeah i mean just look at the Look at the the development of your official supporters club. Look at the the size of the gatherings that you've got going on. It's an amazing story and really pleased that you took the time to share it with us today, Jad. Thanks so much for that. It's uh, exactly what this show is all about. So thank you for your time, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. And it's it's a pleasure to be here and talk with you about Liverpool. I mean, that's every Liverpool supporter's, uh, you know, passion, I'd say. They don't mind talking about Liverpool overnight you know so yeah but i want to tell you something about our fan base uh, uh in 2017 we managed to host uh, luis garcia in lebanon ah yeah as a as a supporters club so we're the we're the first supporters club uh, in, in lebanon to independently host the legend for the Fa- fans fantastic i get the impression uh jad he's a really nice guy he, he's very charismatic. He's very nice. He came alone, actually, without a representative because because he knows how to handle himself. But he makes it easy for, for you as an organizer. Yeah. Because, yeah, like I said, very charismatic, great personality, great person, lovely stories. I mean, he only spent three years at the club. Last year was mostly injured, you know, but, but what a man. I mean, you, you feel like he's Liverpool through and through. And, and he made makes it easy for you well he's certainly got his place in the history and it sounds like you guys are making your own history out there so again as i say jad thanks for your time today thank you well thanks a lot next on the show is bryn griffiths who's president of lfc madison bryn thanks for joining us today thank you for having me man i've got to ask you uh, we can hear it a little bit, and we've had a chat already. Uh, the your dulcet tones don't give away a man who's a, a Wisconsin native. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it's interesting. Where, where can you ever guess? Because uh, it's it, I I always wonder. I've been here like uh, six years now, but in the states for uh, twelve. Um, 
nearly going on 13. So it's interesting. I wonder where I sound like I'm from. I get Australia quite a lot. <laughs> no, I, I would guess somewhere in the region of London myself, but I could be a little bit off. I don't no, know. No, no. Yeah, bang on. Yeah, Woking is where I grew there up. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I, I, do, I do love an accent. Um, I, I've, I've a history as trying to be a mimic. So I do listen for these things. Oh, yeah. Let me start with the obvious question. Yeah, that's I've good. Asked. Yeah. I've, uh, thanks, man. Let me start with the obvious question I've asked everybody, which is who is Bryn Griffiths then? And, and how did he become a Red? Um, yeah, easy actually uh, for me because um, my parents are all from Liverpool. Um, I say are all, there's two of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, the family though, it, they're all from Liverpool. So um, yeah, it wasn't really a, you know, a choice. Um, not that that was a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? It was like when you were a, a kid, actually growing up in Woking, it was kind of interesting that um, back when I was growing up, the two teams that you supported were Tottenham and Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, not like, you know, not pressed into you, but typically those are the big ones on the playground at school. Like, who do you support? And, uh, you know, my dad um, and my mum, but mostly my dad, uh, you know, I guess got me into Liverpool. But um, well, let I don't, me, I let don't me, remember let me, let how me that ask, began. Let, um, me ask, let me ask the indelicate question, Brent. It's a very indelicate question. What kind of era was it then when you were out on the playground and Tottenham and Liverpool were uh, the teams of choice? What kind of what was the Liverpool team at the time? Um, whew, okay, so I was born in 1982. Ah, okay. Um, so it, it was a good team, but I don't remember those um, wins. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, my my start of really like remembering Liverpool was um uh Steve McManaman, Robbie Fowler, um the the sort of end of John Burns's time and Ian Rush. Yeah. Um and so and Roy Evans as the manager. That those are like my earliest memories really. Because the first game I ever went to was um away at QPR and uh um like my dad worked in London, he got some tickets from someone and we were in the away end, um, which was nice. Uh and uh I, re- I remember that like Mark Wright and um, Robbie Fowler scored the two goals in a two one win. And um, yeah, it was incredible. And I, and I was, I, I was like a, a young developer to football um, to be honest. Like I played it when I was a kid on the playground. Um, and then we all moved out to Australia when I was six, uh, 78 years old. So um, I was converted to a different type of football. And then when I came back, I was slow to get back into, um, you know, the football we love now. So, uh it, it's interesting like like i was saying before about knowing why i became a red um was basically because my mom and dad said i was <laughs> and my dad yeah, yeah. thankfully my dad was the, the youngest of four four brothers um and they all they were all blues and he was like wow i'm gonna piss them off by being a red and um it, thank thank you dad for making that decision Thank you. Thank you, Brinstad. That was a very, very vital uh, intervention <laughs> by him. And just, I, I'm fascinated here, dude. Did you play a little bit of Aussie rules while you were out there? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I was a, um, a little, what was it called? A little kicker or something? They they had like a youth uh, thing where, you you know, no contact or anything. You just basically had to um, catch and kick a ball and, yeah. and uh, punch it. It's not dissimilar to, to our own uh, uh, native game here, except the, the yeah. different men with different shaped balls, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so basically, you, so you, this is this is this, that's your 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 basically it's foisted upon you by your old man, and you uh, you have a slow dawning, slow awakening, and it's that those mid nineties teams were. The league looked at like it could be won, actually, you know, back when Robbie was breaking through. I mean, 
I don't know about you, man, but yeah, obviously I'm I'm something like ten years older than you, nine or ten years older than you, and I still Robbie's my age, and I still think of Robbie as a kind of a god uh, in every sense of the word, not just the nickname, because that kid was unbelievable to watch. You must have uh, really fastened on to him uh, in that side as as you were you were starting to fall in love with the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he um he would have been my first like name on the back of the shirt kind of superstar. Um, and, and like you said, like I, I kind of, you sort of more identify with the, the young kid coming through somehow. Um, uh, and, um, I, I, you know, I grew up down South, but, um, like Liverpool, we, we, we would visit Liverpool, um, often cause my, uh, my grandparents still lived there. Um, and a lot of our cousins. And so, um, having the, you know, him being a local lad, same with Stephen Renneman, actually, like those would be my favorite players of that, of that era the ones who were like why yeah just think i didn't have names on backers of shirts but um because <laughs> you had to pay by not uh by letter back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually no that's not true McManaman was the first ever name i got on the back of my shirt and it was like a definite like are you sure because that's a lot of letters <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> so i mean you can fast forward us now to you know we we send the introduction. You're based in Madison, Wisconsin. You're the the uh, the president of the official. Um, it is the official sports club there, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Um, just last last summer we were uh, fantastic. So our first, fantastic. we just done our first year. So I mean that's that's a massive deal in and of itself. Um, what I mean I was I could be wrong, right? But I remember reading something about about uh about uh about wisconsin and madison in particular before it's not a massive population is it like was it about somewhere between a quarter of a million quarter of a million or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah okay and then a lot of that is students because it's a big uh university here uw madison so i mean i'm wondering what do what do numbers look like for the official liverpool supporters club's gatherings when the matches are on oh typically just me no, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's funny. Like um, when I first came here, it was it literally was two or three, and I'm not saying it was anything to do with me making people um, Liverpool supporters. It's just like they were always here, but no one necessarily had a central location. There, there wasn't much of us. Um, I was about to say soccer. Then uh, that's all right. I'll say soccer. Yeah, um, it wasn't much of a soccer population. Um, at least not knowingly. So like people, you know, maybe at home or watching highlights. And, um, so we, we, um, when, when I first came here, just creating like, you know, Facebook groups and pages and like saying, Hey, let's all go to this pub and they're going to open early and they've, they've got the football on. Um, and, uh, so from there it's grown. And now for the champions league last season and this season just gone, um, the bar, which is like 200 people, it was over capacity, not over capacity. I don't want to get them shut down. It would have been. So they had to turn people away. Um, yeah. so last season we didn't really expect that to be honest. Um, uh, so we had no overfill bars set up, but this, this season we did. And so like a few bars down the street, you know, we, we reached out to them, made sure they were going to show it. Um, and that's just the people at our home, uh, pub, the, the nomad, like, um, people you know tell me i like oh yeah i was at this place and there was loads of reds you know it's it's crazy so i i am um, uh typically like it's 20 30 um for match games you know during the week um and uh, on the weekend but for a big game you know it's it's there's hundreds i just i just 
there's something about that, right? So you've got, you know, 200 odd in your own uh, venue there in the Nomad in case anybody's out in uh, Madison wanting to support the Reds over the course of next year. Um, the fraction that that represents of the overall population of the area, like it's, it, it, and you know, and, and add to it the fact that there was many more who want to come in and there were other venues that would have had Reds and there were probably people who just are not joiners who are Reds as well. And you think about that, it's quite, it's, it's a little bit disproportionate, isn't it, Bryn? It's a lot of people, you know, to be affiliated with a club so far away. No, yeah, you're right. I haven't really thought about it. Uh, yeah, percentage wise of the population, but you're right. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah, I can't explain um necessarily why because everyone has like it's fascinating like you're saying like speaking to people asking them like oh how come you got into into liverpool like what was that um what was the story what was your backstory and um you know it ranges from something as simple as like oh yeah on on fifa i liked uh playing the game um and this t- this player in particular was on liverpool um you know torres for you know or gerard you know what i mean or or there's istanbul or there's you know Michael Owen when he came through, and it's fascinating to see how people latch on to certain things. And then once once they're involved, once something's brought them in, like the draw of the club is just so incredible, isn't it? Like it really it really picks you. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, what's this? Uh, what's this? Uh, red bird? What what is that? And then you know you're 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 googling it, you're looking at the history, and you're like, wow, yeah, um, I'm yeah. I'm hooked. And then suddenly you're like, you know, you've gone down a rabbit hole, and you're like finding out everything. And you know some of these people, um you know, like know much more than your, your your average fan because they're just like, you know, like heart makes the, sorry, <laughs> distance makes the heart go, uh, grow fonder. You know, like you, you're sort of trying to get more involved in the history of it because you, you're so far away. And then when oh. they make that um, journey to Anfield the first time, oh my God, it's amazing. Like just feel- seeing like pictures of them, like that they're, you know, a few of uh, the Madison uh, cohorts, so to speak, went um, this season. And um, it's just their stories that, you know, they loved it. And were you able to source as a as an official supporters club? Were you able to so- source a couple of tickets for them that way? Is that how they got their hands on tickets? Yeah, um, and also um, uh, the hospitality um, through the club. Ah, okay, just, you know, fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a common story. Um, it, 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 that you know people have a family connection or whatever, uh, or if you're from our neck of the woods, um, you know that. It's just proximity sometimes. And as you say, you you just imprint upon the club. But so many of the people I've spoken to, especially from Canada, America, uh, it's that, you know, their friend talks them into going down to the bar that day and then they see the club and the fascination grows. And as you say, they then put an awful lot of dyed-in-the-wool natives to shame with their knowledge and of the history of the club. They really get go all in. And it's I think it's beautiful, man. I really do. There's a lot of snobbishness about it, but I think it's bloody fantastic. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, talk to me a little bit about what your Champions League final celebration looked like. Yeah, uh, so like I said, it was full. We wanted to do a halftime picture. Uh, we usually try to take a, a picture at halftime and we were like, no, we can't, we can't leave because we'll never get back in. Um, cause, so it was... It was packed, packed out early, like people getting there before um, and queuing before it was even open. Um, I think the pub opened at noon um, and the kickoff was at 2 p.m. Okay. So two o'clock in the afternoon. It was a nice day. It rained during the final, but we were all inside, so it didn't matter. And then the sun came out afterwards. So it was what we did. Obviously, 
the crowd was uh, well up for it. We were singing songs before, and we actually the Nomad is where the Spurs um, supporters come to. So um, there's a decent number of them as well, which would uh, surprise uh, surprise me. It might surprise you as well. Yeah. Um, but the atmosphere was good. You know, like there's no um, uh, issue with uh, Spurs particularly. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a Chelsea or a or a Man United. You know, so um, uh, no no. Uh, no issues, just a nice, uh, friendly banter. Um, and so the, the pub was packed. Um, we're, we're dominating it in our red. Um, people in the back room got the big screen and then the TVs are up in the front by the bar. Uh, we're singing songs. We, uh, we go off at, um, you know, in the first minute with the penalty. Um, and uh, just, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it was uh, an odd game. Like... Um, until Origi scored and then the whole place just, I mean, it, it went off. It was like the, the relief, that release of tension and, and the joy. Cause we knew at that point, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, prematurely, but obviously it, it worked out that we'd won the European cup and all the, you know, most of these fans, uh, haven't seen, um, us win anything, uh, before, well, for a long time or if at all, cause it's, you know, younger people than, than, than us, in the in the club so uh we uh we uh lit off some flares outside we walked up to the capitol building which is because uh madison's the capital state capital of wisconsin so it's got a lovely um rotunda roof so we walked up the street and took some pictures uh with our flags and our flares um outside of that walked back to the pub had some more drinks um and then uh it, that carried on into the evening because we've got a local soccer team now as well um so some of uh well, a lot of our fans carried on um, into the evening to go to that game as well. <laughs> Man, I absolutely love that. I love the fact that you've got pyro out there in Madison to bring to bring that to the the capital uh, the, the the capital center there. And, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they use the word use the word relief, and for me, man, that was the overwhelming feeling. I don't I, like I've said to so many spe- uh, guests that we've had on that the joy is just slowly dawning on me. Relief was the major thing, and you saw. I'm sure you've been uh, consuming all the video content, and there's a one lovely angle of of Divock's goal which is looking down the pitch from sort of Allison's perspective. Uh, and you can see that Virgil just sort of collapses back onto his back uh, when the goal goes in. It's just, just out of relief. It's just, yeah, thank we did it. Christ that's mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's just a, a collapse of relief. It's not joy. It's just, thank God we got over the line. And I really feel like that. And I mean, now that that sort of, uh, you know, albatross has been shrugged off, what do you think is possible for these guys next season? Yeah, anything, really. Um, but obviously it's going to be tough because Man City, uh, you know, they've kind of been building um, for a while. But I'm just hoping that our trajectory is on the way up as theirs is on the way down. So with the 97 points as well, it wasn't just like, uh, you know, um, we did well in a run to a final and, and won in the final, um, like an 05, and we didn't do that well in the league. This time, I mean, 97 points is not to be sniffed at. Um, what an incredible team we have uh, and what an cred- incredible season it was. Um, I mean, early on in the season, the the Champions League was kind of like a a less stressful game where you just get to enjoy watching the Reds because you're like, well, you know, it's not like a must win game because you could, you know, you could draw this one or you could lose this one and then win the return leg, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, and then it ends up being that we get to that final. So just c- continuing what we're doing um, in the league, uh, keep keep winning. I mean, we're so much better than the vast majority of the teams in the league. We should be, um, you know, aiming to get the same amount of points. And then hopefully, uh, you know, as City's trajectory from 100 points to 98 points goes down, maybe we, we can win the league with the, the magic 97 points again and they get 96 I'm very, very much a massive fan of those maths and that uh, <laughs> that, that, that that way of looking at things that you've come up with there. And I mean, in order to help push us over that line and keep that trajectory going the way that you hope it's going to go, and we all do, is there somebody you'd like to add to the mix in terms of a new signing? Um, n- not a particular name um, that stands out, apart from you know Mbappe, but uh, probably won't happen. Yeah, um, not yet. Anyway, hey, um, but. Um, I think we need to, you know, add to the left back um, position just to be able to uh, give Robbo a rest because there were times during the season what a fantastic player he works um, so hard and is so fit, but to be able to rotate him out would be nice and not to have to rely on James Milner um, or, or Gomez, um, who you know I guess now would be the uh, the backups. Not sure about Adam Lewis coming through, but so someone on the left back. Um, it would be nice if that that left back cover could perhaps play left wing as well to be the same thing with the left mid or even um, further up the pitch to give uh, Mane a rest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so someone um, in their midfield I think is all right because we've got people coming back, people who are going to be better this season than last. Um, Fabinho and Keita, um and obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back, even Lalana coming in every once in a while. He, he did all right. Um, when he came in um so really it's the the front three someone and i don't know the name but someone who can be in a part of that front three rotating in and out able to play through the middle um because if any of those were to get injured for a long period of time i think we would suffer uh you know um Firmino is hard to replace um as is as is Mane and Salah you know the the, the contribution they all make to how the, the whole team plays that you know kind of defending from the front is huge. So uh, I don't have any inside information, don't even have any names for you, but that kind of position uh, would be where I think we'd need to uh, add bodies. I think that makes quality. perfect sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense because you're right. It, it's they're the two areas where we're lightest, you know, is especially in that left back area. We have some people who can do a job at right back in terms of if Joe stays fit, he can always slide across there and be very functional. And we've seen Jim, Jimmy Miller do it more than adequate job on both flanks. But yeah, I think you're right. And up top, of course, we need to, I mean, for all the magnificence of of big divok we do need somebody else there uh, who's in the vein of the three that we've got or at least the two guys in the flank so yeah i think you've i think you've sussed that i think you've summed that up very very nicely for us man it's been a real treat to hear about what life is like for you guys in madison uh, as a supporters group i'm really impressed with what you've got going on there and just want to thank you for sharing it with us Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pleasure as well. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to all the uh, LFC Madison and the, the Reds in Madison. It's such a fun group to hang out with. Um, when I went to Anfield um, in oh, uh, December to watch um, Arsenal, um, it was obviously fantastic be, to be at Anfield. But I wanted uh, my Madison Reds around me to celebrate with me. Do you know what I mean? It's that funny uh, feeling of being uh, a home away from home. So. I, I love it. I love the atmosphere at the pub um, and uh, love spending it with all the uh, people there. And um, 
keeping it we're keeping on growing you know what man i absolutely i, I can't applaud that enough that that's exactly the sentiment that that the this show was was hoping to to, to discover uh in all the various corners of the world so you know congrats to you guys for what you've got going on there and let's hope that we get a chance to talk this time next year about number 19 yes that would be fantastic thank you mate and finally on this episode is Linus Snake, who is the founder and current secretary of Durban Reds. Linus, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, I'm, I'm very fascinated uh, the, the, by all our different um, guests and all their different stories. And Durban is another uh, little uh, notch on our, on our destination list as we move around the world. So I'm going to ask you this the same question I've asked everybody. Uh, who is Linus Snake and how did he become a Red? Sure. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm actually originally from Zimbabwe. Um, I stayed in Cape Town for a while and I was a member of the supporters club there. I actually uh, remember one season saying, wouldn't it be cool if there was an official supporters club here in Cape Town? And then going on to the Liverpool website and finding out that there was one and it was uh, literally just a kilometer away. Um, yeah, so I then uh, moved to Durban uh, sometime later, about, uh, yeah, after nine years. So I've been in Durban for about five years. Looked around for the local supporters club and there wasn't one. So um, I uh, I actually, uh, with uh, with a friend of mine, decided to start the uh, official supporters club. We opened in about 2013 and we got our official status the very next year. Um, but you asked a bit about how I became a Red. So um, I, uh, I, I mentioned I was from Zimbabwe. Um, I, I was born in Bulawayo, which is the second biggest city, and I, I, I grew up in Harare. And it was only at the age of... Uh, 14, I was uh, loving the football. I didn't really have a team or anything, but um, my dad, who was more of a cricket fan, said that if he ever wanted to support a football team, it would be Liverpool because of the Beatles. So I had a little bit of an affiliation there. And then uh, when I moved uh, to our hometown, which is Bulawayo now, um, at the age of yeah, 13, 14, I met all these people who were in the same school as me and had the same surname as me. And they were all uh, my cousins, as it turned out, who I hadn't met. And uh, they were all Liverpool fans. So all of a sudden, I had um, eight to ten other guys to watch Liverpool games with. And uh, that's kind of how uh, the red uh, flame was sparked inside me. Wow, that's that's yeah. fantastic. So you, just, you had this sort of ready-made group of friends stroke yeah. family stroke support uh, fellow supporters wow what a way what a way to come into it and do you mind telling us like what what era of the team that was who 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 were you watching with your cousins when you started watching first sure so uh, it would be my last few years of high school so um it was uh, the year we won the treble uh so that was 2001 that was the second year uh with with my cousins um all the way Kind of through to 2005, which was Istanbul. So, wow. yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a good time. <laughs> that is, that's a good run, man. That's a good run. There's, there's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good old run. And 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 who'd have thought, you know, that uh, the 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 FA Cup the follow following year would have been the last one for so long. But anyway, uh, it, it 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 it's it's always interesting for people. I think listening to the show to get a little bit of a a feel for for the evolution. 
of 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 the people who are speaking as a supporter and it sounds like you got started pretty early linus and uh pretty steeped in it there with all your with all your your family uh, informing you of anything you weren't aware of but it is it's a common thread and especially in this show uh that the people who uh when they when they sort of imprint on the club it's it's uh quite all-encompassing Linus it's there's something about the culture of Liverpool Football Club that drags people in apart altogether from the football because people from different eras I mean I, I say it all the time but people from even the Roy Hodgson era uh, who started supporting then they are as passionate every bit as passionate as people who started after Istanbul or after the treble or whatever happens to be there's something about this club isn't there that that, that really I think people identify with on a different level than some other teams. There really is. So uh, two related stories would be one is that uh, a lot of my cousins, if they're supporters because their parents are supporters and they were obviously supporting through the 80s and the glory days. But something of more interest is that uh, one of the advantages of being a uh, official supporters club is that you do get some ticket allocation to watch games at Anfield. And having already sent about uh, 60 people up through our supporters club, um, I was finally able to take advantage of that um, at the end of last year. And I took my dad, whom I mentioned uh, was a Beatles fan, more than a Liverpool fan, uh, and uh, took him to Anfield. Um, and we watched the Newcastle game and the Arsenal game um, between Christmas and New Year's last year. And that was nine goals in the cup. And he walked out of that and said, you know, um, I always wondered what the fascination about uh, the, you know football and why you say we instead of the team and uh, having stood in the cop and experienced the passion and the sheer involvement, he now sees why Liverpool fans are so passionate. And so this is coming from a guy who hasn't really been into football. I mean, he watches cricket and he was sitting there loving it, absorbing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's as you said, it's all encompassing. Well, that is that's a beautiful story. I really love that. I love the idea of of you you being the one actually in a sort of a beautiful reverse of the norm to be introducing your dad to to the team and and, and bringing him along to his first game. That's that's gorgeous. That's a lovely, lovely story. And you know, the, to be able to see two games with this particular uh, oh. bunch of individuals back to back, wow! You know, that's a treat. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, we were. We were in the cop, and um, I think it was a time when, uh, towards the end of the game, we went top of the league, and uh, City dropped some points in that Newcastle game. And it, it was the the atmosphere was was palpable. I mean, you could you you felt like there there was another presence there inside the cop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can relate, man. It's uh, I'm 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 a bit of a a traditionalist like that myself. And when I go, it's the only place I want to be is on the cop. And I think I've been to two games, and all the games I've been to, I think I've been to two games that weren't on the cop. And I was kind of, I found myself side eyeing it all the way through, kind of enviously, because it is just a special, special place. And even though you have all the comfort of maybe the new main stand, or you know. I had a beautiful seat for a Champions League quarterfinal uh, one time. Right then, I was basically looking over uh, 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 Rafa's shoulder. And I still just wanted to be on the cop. It's remarkable. And I, I love that it struck your dad with such intensity, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so talk to me now about this evolution of your current setup. You're the official Liverpool Supporters Club in Durban now. So you've was we've we've shifted shifted location again, and uh, you're you're you know you're very very involved in the in the running of 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 this uh, organization. 
what kind of amount of people are involved there in Durban? I, I did my sums beforehand, and I, I, from what I can learn, there's like almost six hundred thousand people, right, in of population. So, like, it's a fine sized city, but it's not a massive, massive city either. So, I mean, what, 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 what kind of numbers would you get on an average match day there? Sure. So, um, I'll, I'll be honest. Our, our biggest challenge when looking for a venue, uh, when when we scouted around, was that uh, uh, there is still uh, very much a rugby culture here. So, um, trying to find a venue which would guarantee showing the football was yeah. actually a little bit tricky uh, because sure. uh, they would show the football until the rugby was on, and then they'd change to the rugby. So, um, we. Uh, we, we we found a smallish venue in the beginning, um, and uh, recently we've been able to negotiate bigger venues when we want. But uh, we seat about a uh, hundred to one hundred and twenty, um, and uh, obviously, as the team does better, we definitely fill that venue on um, on that uh, on on big venues like uh, on big games rather when we play United um, and. Uh, Although I, I don't know if we should call those big match days anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. When we play United, uh, we have a bigger turnout, and um, in in those um, on those days, we sometimes have to partner with uh, one of our other venues with, to get a four hundred or a five hundred seater. Wow, that's a lot of humans! Wow, yeah. and, and it, it, this is this is something that's been blowing me away com- completely uh, and repeatedly. Is the amount of you guys that uh, the amount of of when I say in the bigger picture us that there are around the world and in all these outposts and all these um, um, uh, far afield places, it's just tremendous. And so I assume then that your Champions League final story, uh, your Champions League final day, and the event itself, which no doubt you were uh, fairly frazzled organizing it, involved picking one of those bigger venues that could hold a big crowd. I mean, what did that look like for you? That the, this this year's final. Okay, so this was uh, this was actually quite an interesting one. So um, we 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 approached that bigger venue, which we usually go to, and uh, they said they had something else on, so they they actually couldn't help us out. Now um, we all because we're an official supporters club, we do have paid up members, and uh, we ran into a bit of uh, uh, we we had some challenges last year because we said last year when we made the Champions League final, we said first come first serve. But then we had uh, members who pitched up at least an hour, hour and a half before, and they couldn't get in because the venue was too full. Um, and it was actually over capacity. Uh, we had, uh, we had, I think maybe 200, 250 people where there should only have been 100 to 120. Um, so what we did this year is that we had a window for members to reserve their seats at the home base. And then, Later on, we actually found another venue, but we offered uh, our members the first opportunity to reserve their seats and then opened it up to the public. So it was uh, challenging admin-wise, but overall we had a much better event because uh, we had a little guest list um, of members only. And uh, you'll you'll see it um, was interesting because even though we offered a bigger venue, um, the members want to be at their home base because they know that – there's going to be guys with flags and scars and the songs are all going to be playing there and everybody's going to be singing along at our home base. And yeah. uh, at the big venue, you're not really, you're not going to get that. In fact, uh, because you're partnering with somebody there, they, they have rights to say, well, we, you, you might not be able to play the music or you might not be able to sing along or there's all these other controls. So 
Um, our home base was full and we had a great time. It was full capacity, but it was um, a really nice event. And then we split our committee. Half of them uh, managed the one event and the other ones used, uh, used, the, used the second venue, which was 400 people, um, as an opportunity to market our club to non-members. So we, we, we hosted two venues and I was at our home base and it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we, we had a few learnings, as, as I said, so we didn't do first come first serve. We had free bookings and, uh, we had uh, cutoff dates. And I think the fact that we managed it, uh, a little bit more, um, actively meant that, uh, the night went a lot smoother and, uh, it was very much enjoyed. I think we made the, um, the This Is Anfield video with the supporters clubs, um, mm-hmm. because we took a few clips of, uh, the trophy celebration and before and after. So that was a nice little uh, bit of uh, <clears throat> it was a nice little um, uh, tri- tribute to us, and we were able to show that to our members who were there. Yeah, man, the, the, those things make all the difference. You, you talk about uh, feeling connected, and uh, I think those things make all the difference. I, I, I've spoken to one or two people, not for this show actually, but just like that, who, whose whose individual celebrations were picked up by by cameras and put into compilations and you, you, I don't know, it, it really does enhance that feeling of, of, of the collective. It really does. And especially in this era now where we, we communicate so visually on, on, on social media all the time, I think it's a massive deal. And I mean, I can only assume that for you, Linus, the, you know, obviously there was a lot, as you said, admin heavy, there was a lot to organize. Uh, were you able to relax when the final whistle went and relax is the wrong word? Were you able to fully engage in the game? Uh, the very tense game that was coming up once, once the final whistle, or just, <laughs> sorry, the, the, once the, the first whistle went. The first whistle, yeah. So, um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm quite tall. So I'm, I'm about six, seven. And, uh, so, uh, I, I doubled up as our bouncer for the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Linus, you sound far too civilized to be a bouncer, my friend. <laughs> um, so, so I was standing there and it, it, it was also a weird one because uh, we wanted to knock in a couple of flags. So I had a hammer right next to me, which I don't know whether it made me look in. in <laughs> yeah, I, I think a six foot seven dude with a hammer is going to be pretty intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> so um that that was obviously uh, until our treasurer i put up the flags but um it was it was a lot of people were trying to get in uh, at that in in the beginning but as soon as uh as soon as the game started i actually so in in in, in our sports club at the at the back behind so so we have like cinema style seating on big game days and at the back we leave it as standing because that's our standing cop section and the door was close to there so i'd usually want to jump into the cop but uh it was really I was I was very nervous, okay? and um, I actually just stood by the door with my Heineken and and watched with the uh, the treasurer. We just uh, we just stood there and and we watched. We sang along with the cop at, at times, but it was nice to be in it, but also just be a little step back. We we did relax and we enjoyed the game, um, the very tense game. But uh, yeah, it uh, I wasn't fully immersed in the revelry. I was. Uh, 
slightly on the side um, I, enjoying it. Yeah. I, th- I, I think, Linus, that comes from years and years of following the Reds and their <laughs> fortunes, especially recent fortunes, right, where we've been so uh, we've been so unfortunate and we've had to endure so much that and there was all the stories about Klopp, will he ever win anything? Is he, is, is he just doomed at Liverpool? Because he's so fantastic. He's been such a, a unifying character at the club and so inspirational, built this incredible team and I, 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 you sound very much like I was. You're kind of watching it through your fingers, your hands in front of your eyes, you know, just please just get the win and then, then I can enjoy. And I'm going to say that the Linus at the full time whistle was a very different Linus, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I still had to, so I, I was absolutely very happy. I was buying the, we had a, because it was a Champions League thing, we had a promo with Heineken, okay. uh, which which I announced, and there was like, like essentially you buy, you pay for one or two beers, and you get a third one free, and you get the so I was ordering three Heinekens at a time and just handing them out into the cop. And um, after, after after the final whistle, like I I had one, and I was like, oh no, um, I actually need to do these prizes which we got to give away now. Uh, but do I do it before the trophy? Do I do it after the trophy? Um, let's actually just watch this. I'll stand at the front. I'll take a few videos. And then after that, um, I'll, I'll do the whole like prize giving thing and everything. So it was a little bit of logistics as well. But, uh, afterwards it was a shock. It's over. We won. Oh my goodness. Uh, this is insane. Um, now what? I haven't been in this situation for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it, it sounds like we, we had similar situations. I had a podcast to do for two hours. You had, uh, various admin things to do. So you're still sort of not really fully, as you used the word before, engaging in the revelry. Um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and assume that your party continued a long time into the evening. I mean, did you finally get to go up and get three of those Heineken just for yourself and sit down? Yeah. So it, so this is exactly how it went down. So. Um, Durban, uh, Durban's on the east coast of South Africa. Cape Town's on the west coast. I had a flight to Cape Town the next morning. Unfortunately, not too early. And um, <laughs> I essentially told my wife that she was his home setting, and she had we had to fly to Cape Town the next day. And I said, look, if if, if we lose, I'll be home between uh, uh, eleven and twelve. But if we win, I'm going to be home for two, maybe three. Um, and uh, she said, okay, sure, no, no worries. I mean, uh, enjoy yourself uh, as long as you make the flight. I was like, yeah, I'll make the flight, no problem. And so uh, after all the um, all the handovers, we just sat there. Our committee from the second venue actually came down to join us because they said, well, this is kind of where it started. We need to be here. And uh, we had a little uh, sit down, get together, had a few drinks, uh, and... Um, that lasted for another two hours, and I got. I said I'd be home between two and three. I got home at two fifty-eight. Man of your word. Yeah. Yeah. It was twenty-four three. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, so, very, it's very, very important not to uh, not to disappoint the wife. <laughs> uh, that's a very, very important part in part of life. I mean, man, it's 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 absolutely. Lo- I, uh, by the way, I love that picture of. You know, just the committee, all the people who had been frazzled organizing it, just sitting there and going, <sighs> yeah, now yes, we did it. So, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, the, the, we started thinking, is this venue cursed? Because every cup <laughs> <Yes>. line, <laughs> you know, yes. it really 
suspicious about these things, eh? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, uh, like, should we go somewhere else or should we change? Then the curses are shaken, everything's gone, and we're like, guys, what a season. Yeah, and by the way, block book that venue from now on. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. You think you've shaken your superstitions off, you've just built new ones. That's basically what I, Yeah. 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 So Linus, we we've we've I've I've enjoyed talking to you and we've we've gone too long. So I wanna finish with two rapid fire questions for you, just so that we have the same shape in this as we have with every other guest. And the first question is uh, in a sentence or two, what do you think we can do next year? Oh, I, I know what we all want. Um, I would love to see our number 19, uh, league title. Um, and I think we can do it. We're so close this year. Um, any other year we probably would have won. And I'd like, I'd love to see us dominating Europe. I mean, we went to, um, I told you I went to Anfield. The scarf which I bought was the Conquerors of Europe one. And, uh, I'd like to see it ring true. Yes. Yes, yes, I think that's absolutely beautiful. And what about in, 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 to help that happen? What do you think? If you could just airlift in one recruit, who would it be? Oh, so mine's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, I've kind of, I was kind of looking at our, our, our defense initially. Uh, I was looking at uh, Delight, uh, um, Matthias, um, but we just signed another young defender from, uh, from the Netherlands. So maybe looking at our, looking at our front, I might maybe, he hazard a guess at another Uruguayan, uh, Maxi Gomez. Ah, okay. Very interesting. That's kind of where I'm thinking, maybe. Well, you know what? I think we, we all, we all have our targets. I don't know about you, Linus, but I think an awful lot of uh, people I'm, I'm, I talk to on a regular basis are getting very impatient considering, uh, the great things that we've done. They just want to capitalize. So let's hope, man, that me and you are talking next year about. Oh. About number about number seven and number nineteen. How about that for uh, for some equations? I would I would very much enjoy the chance to talk to you about that. And dude, it's been a privilege to hear your story and to hear the wider story of of the Durban Reds. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And that is it for this episode of Let's Talk About Six. My thanks to Jad, to Bryn and to Linus for telling us their stories this evening. And if you'd like to be part of the show, contact us on Twitter at Anfield Index Pro or via the Discord app. We want to hear as wide a range as possible from as many folks as possible all around the world as we all revel in the joy of six. So I've been Trev Danny. Until the next time, look out for your fellow champions of Europe and stay safe out there. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six.